millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, let's go. I'm Mike Diggs, and this is me reading Wikipedia. What? All of it? In a vain attempt to appear that I have listeners to this supposed podcast... I'm today going to read an article that was submitted to me by a Twitter user called Zane, who very kindly sent me a Wikipedia article about the Holy Prepuce. The Holy Prepuce, or Holy Foreskin, is one of several relics attributed to Jesus, a product of the circumcision of Jesus. At various points in history, a number of churches in Europe have claimed to possess Jesus' foreskin, sometimes at the same time. Various miraculous powers have been ascribed to it. All Jewish boys are required by Jewish law to be circumcised on the eighth day following their birth, the Feast of the Circumcision of Christ, still celebrated by many churches around the world, accordingly falls on the 1st of January. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb, according to Luke chapter 2, verse 21 in the King James Bible. The first reference to the survival of Christ's severed foreskin comes in the second chapter of the apocryphal Arabic infancy gospel, which contains the following story. And when the time of his circumcision was come, namely the eighth day, on which the law commanded the child to be circumcised, they circumcised him in a cave. And the old Hebrew woman took the foreskin, others say she took the navel string, and preserved it in an alabaster box of old oil of spikenard. Whatever spikenard is. And she had a son who was a druggist, to whom she said, Take heed, thou shalt sell not this alabaster box of spikenard ointment, although thou shouldst be offered three hundred pence for it. Three pounds for a box of spikenard ointment with a foreskin in it. That seems like a bargain that you would find on eBay. Now, this is that alabaster box which Mary, the sinner, procured and poured forth the ointment out of it upon the head and feet of our Lord Jesus Christ and what? And wiped it off with the hairs of her head. Okay, so according to the apocryphal Arabic infancy gospel, which is a new gospel I wasn't aware of, um, the 
the foreskin was taken by an old woman, put into a box of oil, given to a pharmacist and who was told not to sell it, even though he would be offered £3 for it, and then Mary the Sinner, so I assume that's Mary Magdalene, procured the box, must have paid £3.10 or something, and then used that ointment to anoint Christ, which she then wiped off with her hair. What a foreskin. Let's continue. Foreskin relics began appearing in Europe during the Middle Ages. The earliest recorded sighting came on December the 25th in the year 800 when Charlemagne gave it to Pope Leo III, when the latter crowned the former emperor. Charlemagne claimed that it had been brought to him by an angel while he prayed at the Holy Sepulchre, although a more prosaic report says that it was a wedding gift from the Byzantine Empress Irene. Its authenticity was later considered to be confirmed by a vision of St. Bridget of Sweden, who confirmed that it was somewhere in Rome. I imagine that's the first thing that you would um, you would ask a vision of a saint, uh, especially a Swedish saint, if she appeared in your room. Uh, you'd definitely say, tell me about the um, Christ's foreskin. Anyway, she established that it was real, and the description the Descriptio Latinarsis Ecclesia. You'll note from this that I didn't have a classical education and can't read Latin, but let's just go with that, shall we? Written shortly before 1100, indicated that a Cyprus chest commissioned by Leo III and placed under the altar of the Chapel of St. Lawrence held three caskets. One of the caskets contained a gold jewelled cross, the document stated that in this cross was the foreskin and umbilicus of Jesus. David Farley recounts how the foreskin was then looted during the sack of Rome in 1527. The German soldier who stole it was captured in a village of Calcutta, 47 kilometres north of Rome, later the same year. Housed in Calcutta, in it was, or is that Calcutta or Calcutta, or how do you... That would be Spanish, wouldn't it? Let's go with Calcutta. It was venerated from that time onwards, with the church approving the authenticity by offering a ten-year indulgence to pilgrims. Pilgrims, nuns and monks flocked to the church, and Calcutta became a must-see destination on the pilgrimage map. One always has to think that a lot of early Christianity, and I think even these days, to a great extent, was really about the holiday industry and pilgrimages, uh, with many stops on the way and opportunities to buy, I imagine, carved foreskin replicas. The foreskin was reported stolen by a local priest in 1983. However, in 1905, Pope Pius X authorised an inventory compiled by Professor Hartmann Grieser of the University of Innsbruck. Greece's report corresponds to the earlier Descripto Latanus Ecclesia. The gold cross was dated to between the 6th and 8th centuries. Greece's study stated that, the, uh, like Pope Paschal's enamelled silver reliquy cross, the gold jewelled cross was clearly initially designed to hold a relic of the true cross. This is further supported by the statement in, in Descripto relating it to the procession on the feast of the exaltation of the Holy Cross. The Vita of or Vita of Pope Sergius in six hundred and seventy eight mentions 
both the feast of the exaltation, the jewelled cross, and veneration of the relic contained therein. Grisar attributed the reference to the foreskin and umbilicus, as derived from later medieval traditions. The gold cross was lost in 1945. It seems like in the last hundred years an awful lot of these relics have been lost or stolen. And, talking of which, the next section is called Traffic in Relics. Mary Zon says that for many people during the medieval period, devotion to the Holy Prepus reflected a focus on the humanity of Jesus. According to Farley, depending on what you read, there were 8, 12, 14 or even 18 different holy foreskins in various European towns during the Middle Ages. In addition to the holy foreskin of Rome, later Calcutta, other claimants included the Cathedral of Le Puy-en-Velay, Santiago de Compostela, the city of Antwerp, Coulombs in the Diocese of Chartres, as well as Chartres itself, and churches in Besancon, Metz, Mildesheim, Charroux, Conques, Langeres. Langeres is my pronunciation of a word spelled L-A-N-G-R-E-S. I'm sure it's actually Langeres. And to in the Auvergne. One of the most famous prepuses arrived in Antwerp in Brabant in 1100 BC? No, AD, obviously, not BC. In 1100 AD, as a gift from the King Baldwin I of Jerusalem. There was a King Baldwin, who knew that? King Baldwin purchased it in the Holy Land in the courses of the First Crusade. <laughs> there was no um, capitalising on the Crusaders there was there. I imagine many people queued up to sell uh, relics of Jesus to the Crusaders. This prepuce became famous when the Bishop of Cambrai, during the celebration of the Mass, saw three drops of blood blotting the linens of the altar. A special chapel was constructed and processions organised in honour of the miraculous relic, which became the goal of pilgrimages. In 1426, a brotherhood was founded in the cathedral. Van der Hilger, Benest, I'm not even going to try, not even going to try. But anyway, there was a brotherhood with a very long name that ends in Antwerp and has Jesus Christ in it. I imagine it's the brothers of the beloved foreskin of Jesus in Antwerp. Anyway, its 24 members were all abbots and prominent laymen. The relic disappeared in 1566, but the chapel still exists, decorated by two stained glass windows donated by King Henry VIII of England and his wife Elizabeth of York. Obviously that's Henry VII. That's me not being able to read Roman numerals. Some of these articles really just reveal my complete lack of education. Anyway, just pretend I didn't say Henry VIII. It was a gift from Henry VII, which was Henry VIII's dad, or, or certainly came before Henry VIII and he was married to Elizabeth of York, and this was in 1503, so I know Elizabeth of York definitely wasn't the Queen Mother. She probably was a Queen Mother. Anyway, we're just going to diverge, aren't we? And I'd have to look it all up, and there'd be words I can't pronounce, so let's carry on finding about the trade in relics. The Abbey of Chereau claimed the Holy Foreskin was presented to the monks of Charlemagne. In the early 12th century, it was taken possession, procession to Rome, where it was presented before Pope Innocent III, probably quite shocked if he was innocent. He was asked to rule on its authenticity. The Pope declined the opportunity. 
Yeah, I can imagine. Um, hey, Pope Innocent, we'd like you to just prove that this relic is is the real foreskin of Jesus. I mean, how are you gonna how are you gonna even attempt to do that without DNA tracing and and without a sample of DNA from Jesus? Anyway, the Pope declined the opportunity, and at some point, however, the relic went missing again and remained lost until 1856, when a workman repairing the abbey claimed to have found a reliquary hidden inside a wall containing the missing, missing foreskin. Wasn't that lucky? According to Farley, the Second Vatican Council later removed the Day of the Holy Circumcision from the Latin Church calendar, although Eastern Catholics and traditional Roman Catholics still celebrate the Feast of Circumcision of Our Lord on January the 1st. In reality, it was more than two years before 11th of October 1962, the date when the Second Vatican Council began, that a 25th of July 1960 decree of Pope John XXIII enacted a wide-ranging revision of the general Roman calendar, which included changing the name of the 1st of January feast from Circumcision of the Lord and Octave of the Nativity to Octave of the Nativity, with no change of the Gospel reading about the circumcision of child Jesus. So it's only in 1960 that uh, New Year's Day was renamed uh, the Octave of the Nativity, which again I've never heard of, but that's obviously eight days after the birth of Jesus, um, and they removed the whole reference to the circumcision in 1960. Today, most of the holy prepuces were lost or destroyed during the Reformation and the French Revolution. In the Italian village of Calcutta, a reliquary containing the supposed holy foreskin was paraded through the streets as recently as 1983 on the Feast of the Circumcision, which was formally marked by the Roman Catholic Church around the world on the 1st of January, as we established earlier. The practice ended, however, when thieves stole the jewel-encrusted case, contents and all. Following this theft, it is unclear whether any of the purported holy purposes still exist. In a 1997 television documentary for Channel 4, British journalist Miles Kington travelled to Italy in search of the holy foreskin, but was unable to find any remaining examples. On December the 22nd, 2013, National Geographic Channel broadcast a documentary starring Farley called The Quest for the Holy Foreskin. According to unconfirmed 19th century sources, in the late 17th century, the Vatican librarian Leo Alatus wrote an unpublished treatise entitled De Praputiu Domino Nostri Jesus Christa Diatribia, or something. Oh look, there's an English translation immediately afterwards which I could have read straight away after my cod Latin. Um, but anyway, that uh, translates as a discussion of the foreskin of our Lord Jesus Christ, claiming that the Holy Prepus ascended like Jesus himself and was transformed into the rings of Saturn. Voltaire, in a treatise of toleration in 1763, referred to veneration of the holy foreskin as being one of a number of superstitions that were much more reasonable than to detest, persecute your brother. I don't really understand that sentence. But anyway, Voltaire, in a treatise of toleration, referred to the veneration of our holy foreskin as being one of a number of superstitions that were much more reasonable than to detest and persecute your brother. I'm sure that means something important. Umberto Eco, in his book Bordellino, has the young Bordellino invent a story about seeing the holy foreskin and navel in Rome to the company of Frederick Barbarossa. And in 2009, Farley's An Irrelevant 
an irreverent curiosity in search of the strange relic in Italy's oldest town, or oddest town, was published. So we are led to believe, I mean, I think probably the most interesting thing about this is that there was a, a whole industry around the 20 or 30 holy foreskins in the um, Middle Ages. Great period to be alive um, if you were a, a uh, grifter. I think Donald Trump or Nigel Farage would have quite enjoyed being around in the Middle Ages and selling holy foreskin replicas. Um, but I think the most interesting thing in this article is that apparently the holy prepus ascended like Jesus himself and was transformed into the rings of Saturn. So that's uh, that's okay then, isn't it? I don't know how big Saturn is, but I'm assuming that means that Jesus had an enormous foreskin. Anyway, on that note, thank you for listening to Mike Reed's Wikipedia, and thank you, Zane, for pointing me towards um, one of the more interesting articles, I think, that I've found, because I learned an awful lot about prepuces uh, and also about my lack of ability to pronounce Latin words. If you've enjoyed this episode of Mike Reed's Wikipedia, please subscribe. Uh, please tell your friends. Uh, please go to Twitter and say nice things about me, because I need the affirmation, really. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.